Hi, Joe Alton, MD here, also known as Dr. Bones of the survival medicine website doomandbloom.net, co-author of the award-winning fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook and designer of quality medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. In a major disaster, it goes without saying that the survival medic is going to be faced with epidemics, not just of infectious disease, but also of anxiety and depression. Sure, the sensational stuff is all about gunfights at the OK Corral, but those hopefully will be rare events. The survival medic is going to see people racked by anxiety and depression on a daily basis. The stress of living off the grid is going to be at best an emotional roller coaster for even the most stable people under your care. As such, the effective medic must be skilled in identifying those that need help and do everything possible to support and treat them. The stability of your survival community depends not only on the physical health, but the mental stability of its members. It's important to foster a sense of common purpose and caring. Those medics who can accomplish this goal will have patients that may have medical issues but not psychological ones. Today we're going to talk about anxiety. It's a rare individual who wouldn't experience anxiety when deprived of the benefits of modern civilization. You want to know what I mean? Well, take away your kids' smartphones or your computer, you'll learn about anxiety pretty darn fast. Even in normal times, anxious people think catastrophically. That is, they often assume the worst. In most cases, things are rarely as bad as they seem, but after a disaster, their concerns may be actually completely realistic. Anxiety is similar to the fight or flight response, something useful to humans in a sudden emergency, but certainly not as a chronic state. Anxiety may be an issue whether or not there is an immediate danger. It's more than just an uneasy mind. One sufferer may present to you quite differently from another. The symptoms can be mostly emotional, mostly physical, or some combination of both. They include nausea, feeling lightheaded or dizzy, pins and needles sensations, feeling restless or unable to sit still, headaches or other aches and pains, faster breathing than usual, a fast pounding or irregular heartbeat, sweating or hot flushes, sleep issues, teeth grinding, especially at night, even changes in sex drive, and even having panic attacks. A panic attack can occur without warning and is characterized by intense feelings of fear and impending doom. Fortunately, episodes are usually short-lived, but they can be severe enough that a person may feel what they believe to be physical chest pain. Their breathing may become so rapid that they faint. Other signs of panic attacks may include a choking sensation, shortness of breath, feeling the walls closing in on them, and even the sensation of losing touch with reality. Of course, you can't assume that the symptoms are all psychological in nature without a full exam. After making certain that there are no obvious physical problems causing these symptoms, like a heart attack or some foreign object in their throat, well, the patient should be closely observed. Panic attacks rarely last more than an hour. A single episode will usually resolve without medication. Your attention, support, and reassurance may be all that's needed. Now, those who experience frequent attacks may benefit from more intervention. From a treatment standpoint, this involves a combination of medications and supplements, possibly, but unless your patient has had a history of anxiety in normal times, you might not have stockpiled many anti-anxiety medications like Xanax. As such, you're going to have to look to your medicinal herb garden for plants that may have an effect on mood. Yes, medic, you should be cultivating a medicinal herb garden. And you should start now, before a disaster occurs. 
Now, there are many herbs that claim to relieve anxiety. Most of these have a mild sedative effect and can be easily made into teas. They include valerian, hops, lemon balm, passionflower, skullcap, chamomile, catnip, green tea, and kava. Now, usually you put one teaspoon or tablespoon of dried flowers, leaves, or dried root in a cup of hot water and add maybe raw honey or lemon for flavor. I'll put up a companion article soon with specific instructions. It should be noted that kava may be dangerous in people who have liver or other medical problems, and some items that I just mentioned may not have been proven safe during pregnancy. Essential oils of lavender, frankincense, chamomile, citrus, and others may also help. They can be used as aromatherapy or direct inhalation therapy. We'll have the patient rub two drops of oil between their hands, bring them up to the nose, and slowly inhale. Now, some studies recommend St. John's wort for anxiety in adults, with one comparing it favorably to a certain commercial drugs. If you happen to have the capsules, you would take 300 milligrams three times a day. Perhaps the most important tools to aid the anxious patient are your counseling and communication skills. When you talk to your anxious group member, listen calmly and attentively. Ask them to tell you exactly what they're worrying about, acknowledge their fears, and that'll help you build rapport and trust. Now, one possible method of dealing with anxiety is to have your patient write down their concerns on paper. Sometimes just seeing them in black and white may have a positive effect. Now, why am I saying this? In one study, students were asked to write down their fears about an upcoming final exam. Those who put down their concerns on paper did better on the exam than those that didn't. Interesting, huh? In a survival setting, your group member's anxiety is going to relate to the uncertainty of their current situation. Let them know that there's always some uncertainty in life, both in good times and bad times. Tell them that dwelling on those issues will not make things any less uncertain, but will prevent them from successfully dealing with them. Now, some suggest that your patient set aside 10 to 20 minutes of their day, no more, to concentrate on their worries. Then give them things to do. If you give them duties that are productive, they might think less of their fears and more about what they've accomplished the rest of the day. You should work to improve your patient's quality of life. You could possibly do this by assuring good nutrition. A full belly helps. Reducing the use of substances like nicotine, caffeine, and alcohol. Of course, for heavy current users, this might have to be done over time. Encouraging exercise and constructive activities. Promoting rest breaks. Giving the opportunity to improve hygiene. A little soap and water may work wonders. Encouraging good sleep habits, providing positive social interactions, and maybe implementing relaxation therapy, things like meditation, massage, or deep breathing. You know, in future videos, we're going to discuss major psychological issues like this that you're going to face in your role as medic in times of trouble, like perhaps depression. Plus, we're going to explore what you can do for your group members with PTSD. This is Joe Alton, MD, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health and good times or bad. Thanks for watching. Hey, learn more about natural disasters and 200 other off-grid medical topics in the award-winning fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook. And get your family medically prepared with quality kits and individual supplies from our entire line at store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Oh, if you like our videos, you might also like our Survival Medicine podcast. Check it out on Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, and many other broadcast outlets.